Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 53 with service to Pokemon World. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if your Pokemon is not in its Pokeball during flight, please make sure to have your emotional support Pokemon documents available to show your nearest flight attendant. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? God, we couldn't even get a direct flight to Pallet Town. These budget cuts are killing our airline. <laughs> Look, there's only one airport in the entire universe, <laughs> and this is oh. what we're flying into. Well, for the folks who are not uh, in the know, we are doing Pokemon this week, um, which it's wild to say this is a 25-year-old show, um, so can't wait to talk a little bit more about it. But before we dive too deep into the world of Pokemon... Max, do you mind telling folks what this podcast is all about? Here at TV Pilot's License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous shows. We talk about how these series came to be and were originally created, if they're effective pilot episodes and making us want to watch more, and if they can be made today. Go back and stream our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. Check us out on YouTube to enjoy our smiling faces. And if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard today. And Rich, what is your question of the week? Well, first of all, I would like to thank the 10,000 listeners that came in for the I Want to Marry Harry episode. Uh, <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Harry Heads, uh, we see you and uh, and welcome back. Um, I would love to know because, you know, this is a show that's pretty ubiquitous for all of our childhood years, I would say. I don't think I knew anyone in 10th grade, uh, in 10th grade, when I was 10. <laughs> or in third grade, um, who didn't like Pokemon to a nearly feral degree. Um, and I would just love to know, because we're complete out, completely out of left field, which Pokemon do you think is the tastiest? Which one would you Ooh. eat right now? Ooh. Oh, Max. I've only thought about this half my adult life. <laughs> <laughs> go for it, Max. Yeah, so I got to go with the two that are just shellfish. Uh, I'm either going with Shelder, who's like a little purple kind of like clam, Pokemon, nice. or I'm going with uh, Krabby and its evolved Kingler, who are basically Alaskan King crabs. I'm, I'm boiling a Krabby with some Old Bay seasoning, and I'm dunking him in some hot-drawn butter, and I'm having a great meal. See, Max, I'm so glad you said that, because I went very similar uh, with Paris, or Paras, or Parasect. Uh, these are both also crab-based Pokemon. They're very <laughs> shellfish-based. Uh, but then, you know, if I'm going to get a little bit exotic um, and taking a chance, I'm going to go after a Psyduck. Um, I think mm, that a Psyduck ooh. looks a little bit meaty, a little bit fatty. Uh, the only issue is it might take over my mind, uh, which is problematic, and I might end up, you know, going somewhere else. Can you Honestly, imagine a little... Suck duck sounds amazing. A Sign little, like, side duck confit <laughs> with some pan butter? Oh, man. Ooh, ooh little Rich, jus d'orange. Rich, I'm very curious. Um, <laughs> what are you thinking uh, oh. as far as a tasty mean menu? I'm going Magikarp sashimi. I am, ooh, ooh. Imagine, a flying, imagine a flying fish with no predators. That's, that is a tender... <laughs> That is a tender, tender fish. <laughs> it is the dodo <laughs> of the Pokemon world for sure. Uh, so we well, all picked. We all picked water uh, Pokemon then. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like it would be a little bit weird if I like just threw out like Geodude. I don't know how that works. I'm not eating a rock. 
Um, and I then, feel like you could get some good steak cuts out of a Taurus. That's like a bull Pokemon. I feel like there's some good, like some good flag steak cuts in there somewhere. I'll say like, it. What does Diglett taste like? What is it? <laughs> what, what is it like a potato? Can <laughs> wait. So if we're on this trend, can Ditto taste like anything, or does Ditto just taste like Ditto? This is a very important. D- Ditto question. is the impossible burger of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> You just whisper what you'd like it to taste like, like just into its uh, hypothetical ear. Well, Rich, that's <laughs> that's a wild question, and I am uh, very appreciative of it. Honestly, this could be the entire podcast right here, and I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I yeah. would be absolutely fine. Uh, well, before we dive too deep into Pokemon, a quick word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Diglett uh, Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible Burgers. Call us. Uh, but... Before we dive too deep into Pokemon, a quick synopsis. Ash Ketchum, his yellow pet Pikachu, and his human friends explore a world of powerful creatures. Very simple, uh, almost too simple. Max, (laughs) tell us uh, how this show came to be. So today we are talking about the pilot episode of Pokemon titled I Choose You, which originally aired in Japan on April 1st, 1997, and in the U.S. on September 7th of 1998. And I want to... Take it back. This is a show that obviously comes from a successful video game series first. And so rather than just try to discuss like what executive at an animation studio, I want to talk about how Pokemon and the Pokemon phenomenon came to be. So our journey today is going to begin in 1982 when Satoshi Tajiri starts the magazine Game Freak. But after a few years, goes from just writing about video games to creating ones of his own. In the early 90s, inspired by his childhood hobby of searching for bugs and tadpoles, Tajiri begins developing the concept for a game called Pocket Monsters, which he pitches to Nintendo. Fun fact, the game was originally developed under the name Capsule Monsters, or Kapumon, but they were unable to secure a trademark for the word capsule, leading to the renaming of Pocket Monsters. What? Nintendo has Tajiri worked with legendary game creator uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, responsible for Super Mario Bros. and The Legend of Zelda, for six years developing his concept before two versions of Pocket Monsters, Red version and green version were released in Japan in February of 1996. From the success of these games, a trading card game was introduced in October of 1996, and an anime series follows suit in Japan in spring of 1997. The game's creator was hesitant on the idea of an anime, worried that if the series flopped, it would affect game sales, and if the series reached a natural conclusion, it would also signal an end to the relevancy of the game. In an effort to not show favoritism to one of the game's three starter Pokemon, it was agreed a new choice should be the uh, protagonist starter. Production decided on Pikachu, feeling it would appeal to both boys and girls, as well as their mothers. Just over six months from its premiere, the anime was the highest rated program on all of TV Tokyo. The process of beginning uh, of bringing Pokemon over to America begins with Minoru Arakawa, president of Nintendo of America, who first played the games at an expo in Japan in late 96. The American offices, though, felt the game had no chance in the U.S. as American children wouldn't have the attention span for RPGs. Just a, a bunch of dub-dubs who they felt only wanted to play like Madden 96 on their N64s. <laughs> Four Kids Entertainment, the licensing agent for Nintendo of America, believed in it, though, and spent an incredible amount of money to secure the rights in America and promote the show. In a bold move, Four Kids president Norman Grossfield offered the show for free to local TV stations across the country in exchange for just a portion of advertising revenue that didn't yet exist to help get the series into as wide of syndication as possible. 
Grossfeld is also responsible for the tagline, Gotta Catch Em All, which went through a heated battle with the FCC to be deemed not an ad aimed at children, and that Gotta Catch Em All was in reference to how the gameplay worked. <laughs> the show premiered in the United States on September... The show premiered in the U.S. on September 7th with the first American video games debuting three weeks later and Pokemania was ready to take over the U.S. And how it did. That, absolutely. And let's just dive into Pokemon. And this show, we don't get a cold open, but we do get a banger of a theme song. Mm -hmm. Uh, I absolutely... Love this theme song. I was singing to this theme song with it, uh, with all the little glimpses of animation and potential journeys that are to come with Ash Ketchum and friends. Oh my God, this 80s glam rock montage yeah. theme song is, it's one of the most iconic songs of the 90s. Like not even just TV theme songs. Like I feel like every single person in the late 90s knew the Pokemon theme song. It was like, you couldn't escape it. It just feels like such an ingrained part of our culture. Like this is, it's wild to say there's a show out there that had two songs. And this was a show for children that had two songs that were iconic, like yeah. late nineties, early two thousand songs. That's not a, that's not a thing that I can think well, of. Like according to JW, Jem had 181 of them. So Suck it, Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite part in this opening sequence, though, is there's a there's an animated scene where Ash is like throwing out like a Pokeball, like an "I choose you" moment, and he has this wind up and this leg kick. It's like, okay, Shohei Otani, I see yeah. you there. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, a dual threat was born. Oh my god! Um, anything else about the the theme song? Oh or god. Any- yeah, if like, if they let Journey or Loverboy or oh. Europe record, like what a huge myth from all these bands from the '80s not getting the chance to record this the song as the original because I, that still would have been top five in their Spotify right now. Yeah, I I would very easily listen to like let's just throw out a random one. If Aerosmith put out <laughs> a recording of this, I would a hundred percent listen to Steve Tyler screaming this song at me. Like Pokeball, <laughs> Pokeball. God damn it! So from this amazing opening, and we're like we're already hyped, right? Like I I was instantly bought in. We get this great nod to the video games that you were talking about, Max. Of uh, like seeing on the screen the graphics that we would see on uh, Game Boy. Uh, at, at this point in time from no- Nintendo. But then we dive deeper into what's actually happening. What does this battle represent? Knowing in that reality? the games in the US didn't come out for three weeks until after this episode aired, though, if you're like a nine year old kid, are you just eating your cocoa? Plus, be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, because I, I, I honestly did not know that it was a. Was it a Game Boy game first, or was it for a different console first? Game Boy game, game Boy. first. Game Boy first. Okay. Yeah, I as soon as someone on the, like the schoolyard told me that it was also a Game Boy game, I'm like, I've never wanted a video game more than this in my entire life. I have. You you really connect with the 
the need to catch them all. And also, I had no idea about the uh, catching bugs and, and uh, things that he like the creator was relating it to. But God, it's so wholesome, and you just want to run through an absolute wall. Listen to that theme song. So I I don't want to uh, dissuade the audience from thinking this entire pilot is an ad for tel- for toys. This <laughs> is like no different yeah. than uh, it's a Jen. great ad though. This is one of the best ads I have ever watched. I have never been happier to watch 22 and a half minutes of advertisement. Um, I have a question for you both, though. What was, do you remember what your starting Pokemon was um, if you had one, if you played the game as a kid? So you're either Charmander the fire type, Squirtle the water type, or Bulbasaur the grass type. I usually went Charmander or Squirtle, depending on like, I don't know how I wanted my my journey to go. It was always one of those two. I never picked one. What about you, Rich? Yeah, I gotta say, Charmander's for the boys. Um, I think uh, I think it, it's 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 not a good idea to not start that way. Or it felt like I was I don't know. Like we we all have a little bit of pyro in us as a child. Uh, I'm like, there's nothing that beats fire. What am I gonna like? Very gently get someone wet, and that's how they're gonna lose their powers. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but I was a Squirtle boy for life. <laughs> like, I, like I low key like Squirtle. No one likes War Turtle, but then like Blastoise was my oh, dog. Yeah. Like you, you got wh- a you got a uh, a a turtle, a giant turtle that is absolutely armed to the teeth with uh, on on its own back. I mean, that's also. I mean, you got once you level up, that's also very much a boy. Uh, that's a that's a boy pick. That's a that's yeah. a Second Amendment pick. Well, I mean, if the Pokemon show <laughs> is just an advertisement for Pokemon, then Blastoise is just an advertisement for Lockheed Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, we hatched it. We figured oh, it out. Um, so after seeing this transition from video game into the animation of this world, getting an understanding um, of this is a world where people own these pocket monsters and have them fight each other. Um, yes, there are some negative connotations that could be associated with the idea like of dog animals. Fighting? Yeah, exactly. Um, but like I don't want to colorful dog fighting. I, I don't want to focus on that too much because I'm trying to be oh, super. Oh, it's positive. cool when Ash Ketchum does it, but when Michael Vick does it, <laughs> oh my God. Um, after we see this, we get to meet Ash Ketchum, um, and then not only does Ash say. Yes, I am Ash, and now that I'm 10, I can finally get my Pokemon license. We also get a narrator who also tells us that this is Ash, that he yeah, is also we, 10 we years old. double anime exposition here. We get the character telling you about themselves and a narrator, Vio, telling you about the character. Woo. Let him fight. From this point, we get to learn a little bit of, hey, here are these starting Pokemon uh, in your town, in this town of Pallet Town. Uh, there's a Pokemon a- expert who is going to help you pick your Pokemon or give you the choice of one of these three. We learn a little bit more about the advantages. And then we get this Ash dreaming sequence um, that doesn't really do much other than it has a few great jokes in it, um, such as like there's one moment where Ash is just like, choose it or lose it. And he says it so sincerely that I was just like giggling. And I was like, yeah, that is genuinely just hysterical. We got to address the elephant in the room here. This kid is 10. This kid is 10. (laughs) Yes. And he's getting ready to go on a journey around the globe 
unsupervised to become a Pokemon master. So, so, so just, just a little, a little bit of jumping ahead. We'll, we'll backpedal, but Ash is given, you know, when he's out of his journey, his mom gives him a backpack with some changes of clothes, some snacks, and he's told, you're on your own, kid. What is he going to do for food? Where does he stay at night? What does he do for money? He's 10. The kid hasn't even gone through puberty yet. How is he going to get through all these dangerous terrains? This kid could die. Does no <laughs> one care that this kid could very well die like a day into this? Anime is not about so, that. Anime is about glorious adventures of any age. Sailor Moon didn't. Sailor Moon oh, could have okay. died at any right. time, too. So, Max, you you put up a good point. But I will say there is a Japanese show that I love so much called Old Enough. Where small children, <laughs> like no older than three years old, trap go animals off to and fight do each amazing, other. yeah, do amazing things. Like you know, I've never seen the dog fighting episode, but I'm sure it's in there somewhere. But they also <laughs> do things like getting okay. ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not immediately start accusing Japanese kids of dog fighting. <laughs> But, like, I, I will say, on a serious note, there are cultures in the world where, you know, when you turn 10 or, like, a number that might seem ridiculous to us, they do send their children out into the world. And while this is Yeah, wild, I assume they're all, like, former USSR territories. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, while this is insane, like, we have to, like, even more so than ash being on by himself like let's take a step back and paint a picture of some of these other 10 year olds like i think his name is gary because gary's at least 25 years old in the world of this animation gary has a fan group he has a posse like and gary also is a dick as well, a whole G gary is 10 but the actor who plays him is 29 <laughs> <laughs> god damn hollywood Oh, my God. But, like, as we get to meet Gary and, like, we get to the idea of, like, yeah, Gary's obviously our villain. Gary's the person that we're, like, almost going against, even though we don't see him for more than 30 seconds in this. Um, there's there, there's so much, like, I could do an entire thesis on Gary. Gary is a Nepo baby. His grandfather is uh, Professor Oak. Gary tells people to call him Mr. Gary. You're 10 years old. Could you imagine a 10 year old right now, like entering your life and being like, yes, I'm Mr. 10 year old. I just, I just don't know how you expect to become a, a Pokemon master from such humble beginnings when nepotism runs rampant in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you do that. You, you end up having that classic, um, like the old, the old wise person ends up choosing some other kid with more gumption than their own child or than their own blood, which, uh, I love that's a, that's a beautiful trope to see in a, in a TV show like that. After Gary goes off, Ash and professor Oak are like, Hey, let's, um, I need a Pokemon still. And then this is such a wild scene to me like first of all just pure comedy of like ash has his first choice uh ash is also i i think ash wanted a squirtle at first as well so like squirtle boys for life ash uh but then from here there's like a little joke for yeah absolutely <laughs> just like right across good chest piece uh and then 
As, like, Ash is opening up each of these Pokeballs that are empty, Professor Oak has a fun little joke for each of them, uh, such as early worm get or early bird gets the Pokemon question mark. Uh, and finally we're left with, Hey, every other Pokemon has been chosen. There's one that's left, but it's a little bit unstable. And we are introduced to the cutest little bipolar Pokemon. Instantly. I want, I want a plush toy in my home that I can hug when I'm having a bad day. And if it also says its name, I would be so filled with joy. Every millennial yeah. at home watching this and going, I could fix him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, Pikachu is the, uh, he's the Snoopy of Pokemon. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of weird flaws to him, but he's freaking adorable. And you want to you're immediately get attached to him. Rich, I have never thought of like that before, but like I absolutely love that line of thinking. It is this adorable sidekick character to our like buffoon of a protagonist, um, at least at this point in time, who is helping to save the day. We don't know that yet, but also has these wild abilities that just seem almost unexplainable as a whole. And we get that first taste of it with Pikachu giving a gigantic thunderbolt and electrocuting everyone around him. Just um, a mild shot to though, say hello. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just like waking up and when you accidentally touch like the carpet <laughs> and you get shocked that, that same, <laughs> that same feeling. Um, what did you guys think of like Max? You talked about it a little bit with the idea of just like sending your 10 year old out into the wilderness. What did you think of this scene of like the entire town of pallet town just was like, surrounding this 10 year old sending them off into the woods being like yeah congrats like fuck right off uh and good luck <laughs> yeah be gone child be gone everyone seems just pretty down for this like i i it, it seems a little strange that you can do this six years before you can legally drive in japan so uh, i don't really know uh I, I didn't have a dad that was like we gotta go hunting you're gonna learn how to kill something and eat it. So I'm like, I, I it just like maybe I don't relate to this at all. But like, man, it was so smart to figure out immediately your target demographic and make them the protagonist. Like, there's no reason. Like, this kid clearly has a lot more mental capacity than an average ten year old. I can really like fend for himself. They're so there's like they knew immediately that like seven year olds want to be him, twelve year olds want to be him. They can all connect to him very easily. They they went for a really, really wide demographic by having him be so young. It was a very smart move. So from here, we're not only introduced to our first new toy, uh, which is a Pokedex, which is this like knowledgeable, know-all, for the most part, uh, handheld computer. It's an Amazon it's an iPhone before we... <laughs> yeah, it's an it's an iPhone before we knew what an iPhone was, in all honesty. <laughs> it's also a great exposition tool as far as TV pilots go, because we have a magical device that you could point at anything in the world and it tells you what it is. You as a writer, that's a dream. Anytime you don't know how to explain something that's happening in your episode, you're like, I don't know, make the Pokedex say it. <laughs> and the first instance of this was like not only did the Pokedex love the voice of the Pokedex being sassy and like when Ash is like, yeah, all Pokemon belong in Pokeballs. And then the Pokedex is like, 
not all Pokemon, uh, just some <laughs> Pokemon. And then... Yeah, I love that it corrects them unprompted. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we also meet our first wild Pokemon. And uh, we just see a random Pidgeon. Very similar to the game, even, right? Like, the first Pokemon that you meet in that, like, grass field is normally, like, a Pidgeon or a Rattatad or something of that sort. Yeah, every time I go to New York City, I just see Pidgeys everywhere. <laughs> well, stop but trying to catch them. One of the things that... I don't know if this was a lost in translation moment, but the line, did anyone catch the line that Ash Ketchum said to the Pidgeon before he attempted to throw a Pokeball at it? This one is for the birds. Close. It was, enjoy your last moments of freedom, Pidgey. That was, that was what was said in this, like, as, as a 10 year old, that might, I might not catch that, but as a, you know, 30-plus-year-old, I was just like, that's a terrifying okay, thing so to say Okay, so we're on from dogfighting to cockfighting. Great. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't... Okay, so he doesn't quite understand the reason why he's doing this yet, which I guess is, like, important to say, because I don't think this is all about imprisoning these animals. It's not like Mike Tyson's exotic bird, like, zoo. It's, he's he's training them to to basically have as companions, and, like, the, 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 the journey is the growth into their evolution. But right now, it's just like, I'm going to catch that bird. That bird looks too free for me. <laughs> and, and then like, Maya actually slightly... had to write a poem about it. What, like, what this scene left me is, like, first, I'm rooting against Ash. And, like, <laughs> in the beginning, I am rooting for this bird. Like, yeah. And then when you find out, like, oh, this this poor bird. And then the bird creates a sand tornado because it's pissed off. I'm like, I don't know who I'm rooting for, but this is going to be interesting. Something that Ash does multiple times throughout this pilot is that he tries to shit talk wild animals who don't understand what he's saying. (laughs) And it ends up going very poorly every time. Now, I was never in Boy Scouts, but I would imagine one of the things they teach you is don't shit talk wild animals because you'll rile them up. And this idiot just keeps riling up wild animals. No, to you can fair. shit talk black bears because they're the bitches of the wild. No, uh, the he's got to be bigger than them. <laughs> to, to be fair, his experience so far with Pikachu, Pikachu fully understands English and understand has like a lot of situational awareness. I know he can only, she, he, she, any gender. I, I know they can only say. They. Yeah, they. there we go. Yeah. Uh, I know they can only say one word, uh, but it seems to really understand what's going on and has a great sense of humor about things. From here, Ash not only pisses off a Pidgey, he, piss- he pisses off the ev- the evolution of Pidgey, which Oops. is a Spiro. No, that is not the evolution of Pidgey. The evolution of Pidgey is Pidgeotto. A Spiro is a different flying type Pokemon. Oh, I'm God so sorry, nerd. Max, uh, I'm gonna how does it feel to, to be the box. nerd of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff, is there room at the nerd box for two? Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> All right, room. All my podcast uh, now, I'll, losers. I'll... <laughs> oh and we're talking about baseball. Max mentioned one athlete already. <laughs> <laughs> there was this one scene that, like, I feel was, like, or one line that was, like, thrown in to sort of be, like, yeah, it's okay to, like, take these wild animals and have them as pets. When they say, um, wild Pokemon tend to be jealous of human-trained Pokemon. That's why they're attacking Pikachu. Which Man. 
Yeah. No, no. I, I've, I've, seen the, I've seen the Aristocats. <laughs> I've, I've seen the Aristocats. I'm aware of this phenomenon. We get this, like, slightly terrifying scene of, like, hundreds of Spiros chasing after a boy and his pet um, to the point where we see these wild animals ganging up on Pikachu. And, like, I am not going to lie. Like, if I'm suspending myself in the disbelief of this pilot, mm. like having never imagining never seen it before, I am terrified for this little adorable yellow electric mouse that is potentially going to die on screen in a children's cartoon. And like I am emotional about it at this point in time as well well well, don't don't worry jeff i'm gonna ease your fears uh our protagonist is gonna rob a young girl yeah yeah (laughs) don't don't forget that uh when they meet misty misty gets the absolute shaft of this episode misty not only has her fishing trip ruined get her name we do not get her name no um we just we just meet this 10 year old girl that is in a crop top and jean shorts and fishing uh that fishing in a you know a pond or a river that seems to have a ton of terrifying pokemon in it um and then we as ash is trying to bike for his life as well as the life of his pet um we just get this well first we get this amazing piece of music like Talking about this pilot, I think we're doing a disservice by not talking about, like, some of the music that was in the background, like, that we might have just taken for granted, but did do a really good job of creating emotional intensity uh, and building up to this climatic point where, as Ash is protecting Pikachu and decides to, you know, try to take the metaphorical bullet, or in this case, the pecking of hundreds of birds, um, (laughs) Pikachu decides to basically nuke a small area of a town with a lightning bolt. Uh, and I have to assume every single bird is dead because the bike <laughs> was shown well, and I just think absolutely gone. In, in the vein of the, the, the dogfighting comparison, it, I think one thing that... Yeah, yeah, they, let's go back to that. One, th- one thing that they very... <laughs> <laughs> one thing that they very like clearly establish in this first episode is that creatures are going to get bonked they're going to get sleepy. They're going to get woozy. They're going to get a little bruised, but they will not like get like viciously maimed, which I think is pretty nice because these things are throwing a lot of special powers at each other. And I know well, that they even be... did that with the uh, with the games too. Like when you knock them out, it's always they fainted. They fainted. It's, it's yeah, never. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's never they they dead. It's it's they fainted. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> you you don't you don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, they, I, I guess you, I guess it wouldn't to, be very valuable if you if you killed them. Yeah, they dead. You have to pay the vet five hundred dollars to get rid of the body. You have to. Which you never understood. Sucks. It's like if you, if you accidentally like knocked a Pokemon out that you were trying to catch, and it's like they fainted. You lost your chance. I was like, no, 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 they fainted. They're right there. They're yeah, on yeah, the ground. Them. They're right there. I, in yeah. fact, I could get it easier now. Put them in a ball. Oh my god. <laughs> so. As we see Ash and Pikachu wake up from this fight, the, they are safe. Um, Pikachu has saved the day. Ash and Pikachu may have grown some form of a bond. Um, we see this 
rainbow phoenix um, pass over and lead into the next town and sort of guide us on our journey. And the Pokedex has no idea what the fuck that thing is. Uh, and it literally is like, I don't know everything. Uh, so <laughs> Max, your exposition box is broken. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know what? But then we also... The, the Pokedex is Janet from uh, uh, the bleeped out location from uh, another <laughs> TV channel. Uh, God, how do I do this without turning the strike? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh <laughs> Darcy Carton? Yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you, for Christ's sake. Rich, I think everyone who's listening to this oh, podcast knows what so you're hard. talking about. Uh, so, two things The blank happen. place, you know. One, yeah. <laughs> we have this narrator director tell us that, like, hey, this watch Ash and Pikachu and friends continue their journey. This is somehow a pilot and a pilot presentation all yeah. rolled into one. It's like, here's all the things you'll see in future episodes. Action, adventure, friendship, other things. But then we also get the most iconic oh, dude. part of this pilot. Oh, oh, baby. And we get the poker rap. And I forgot that the poker rap was divided into different parts originally. And we only hear 32 of the names of different Pokemon. They are in order. Uh, so, you know, good for us. But then we find out there are 150 total Pokemon. And if you want to hear all of the Pokemon, you have to watch the show five days a week to be able to hear all five parts of the song. God, they're so good at advertising. I have to just give all the props in the world to James D. Train Williams and Baby Floyd, who are on the sung hook and rap parts of this song. They absolutely bodied the hardest rap track of 1998. I hope. So, um, <laughs> I, I really sincerely hope. <laughs> They got a, just an ass load of money. I hope they're still. I hope they're still living off their royalties from this. So, so I actually read. Oh, go, for it, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say no, I, no, no. I. I read a recent interview by recent. I think it was from like ten years ago with James D. Train Williams, and he talked about how they basically got paid a studio session, and then they got a buyout for each season, but. If you notice, like, the seasons for Pokemon are, like, 80-something episodes long, not to mention all the CD compilations and things that it was used on and just how big it became overall. So they basically got a recording fee, and then they got, like, a one-time kind of lump buyout for each season, even though this was aired, you know, several days a week, almost every week of the year, on channels coast-to-coast on CDs that sold millions of copies because that's, you know, people bought CDs back at this time. And they kind of got chipped. Uh, justice for D-Trade Williams. So I my one fun story about the poker rap, uh, when we were in school, I went on a date with a girl because she knew the entire poker rap. Uh, and I found that to be the coolest thing in the and world. And that is now your and wife. <laughs> that person... Nope, that is not my wife. Uh, but... It, but we had a great time. Uh, I, I do have a bone to pick, though, with the poker app. Go for it. And there, there's a line that I can't shake from it. And it's when D-Trade Williams says, because there's 150 or more to see. It's like, <laughs> here's a specific number, but it might be wrong. 
<laughs> well, they didn't know the success of oh, it yet. God. Also, okay. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to put myself in the position of a young kid in 1998 when the show came out. Where Or 2000? When did the show come out? 98? In the U.S.? 1998. Okay. You're sitting at home. This is the first episode that you see. You're already like, what the hell is this? There's like, I already have to know three different animals. And now all of a sudden... This guy is rattling off a ton of characters that may or may not be consequential at any point in the show. And I am just overwhelmed with the amount of... And again, of... the game won't come out for three more weeks. <laughs> yeah, you're, you, the connection to the Pokemon rap, this is like... This is like, uh, I don't know, it's, yeah. like, it's like a it... strobe light to your brain. Yeah, it's... I I think that... You know, it was brilliant for them to say, hey, the point of the game is to catch them all, right? Like, the point of, but at every single turn, very similar to when we did Gem, right? There's a different thing. There's a different thing you have to know or learn or catch or get. We we haven't even talked about the trading card game um, as a whole. And... Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's, they pulled it, a fast one on those bozos at the FCC. This is totally an ad to kids. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. Well, that was our pilot. Were there any things that you loved about this pilot that we maybe didn't discuss as a whole? I've got two on my end. The first is I love that it feels like an actual pilot despite being a children's animated show like clearly this is going to be episodic in nature but you have you know you have an inciting incident you have like your hero's journey you have that all is lost moment in the woods like right before pikachu springs into action you have a resolution so like it follows like good storytelling beats which is really impressive for what's basically a glorified commercial the second thing is, I love that they animated physical comedy with Pikachu. The scene up top when Ash is first trying to get Pikachu into a Pokeball, he just keeps throwing the ball at Pikachu, and it keeps deflecting it with its tail at different angles back to Ash. Incredible physical comedy. I really want to know how many takes it took to get that right, but it, it works. It looks so good on camera. <laughs> Rich, what about you? Oh, I, I didn't realize that the strike was over. We're doing our uh, our regular scripted features again. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I, I, I just like, I don't know. I forgot how adorable this whole show was. I mean, obviously, the drama between 10 year olds is like way overblown. But uh, I like everything about this show. It really does make you feel like you're like you're a 10 year old kid getting your first dog and just like making up adventures and stuff like that. You really do capture that feeling really, really well, and it makes so much sense that the creator like compared it to uh, to catching critters in his backyard and everything. It's it really is like it's a very human feeling, and it's really cool that uh, like a grown ass adult man can harness that feeling with a with a TV show. Yeah, and I would say like to add on to that, Rich, I like genuinely. This was the show that, like, I was, like, I was holding my dog as tightly as I could. I was, like, that you, I was telling my two dogs, like, you, you two are my little Pokemon, like, and I love you both so much. Like, 
you are you're my Pikachu's. Like I was worried you're gonna make them fight. Yeah, no, not <laughs> they do that on their own. I don't need to help them. Other uh, wild, but guy. like it. It's one of those shows that was even though it was for kids, like. If I was a parent watching this with my 10-year-old, I'd be like, you know what? I could sit down and watch another one of these really easily. Um, and I would be genuinely 100% cool with, like, we're, we'll talk about how many episodes there are. But, like, <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah. And the, the initial concept of jumping into this would not seem that daunting. Um, like any pilot. There are wait-a-minute moments in this show. We've talked about a few of them. Anything outside of what we've talked about that you'd like to uh, bring to light? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin the Pokemon theme song for everyone. So I <laughs> did a little bit of digging into the vocalist behind that song, a uh, studio musician by the name of Jason Page. He's performed uh, with Touring Axe, Vegas residencies over the years. He also, in 2008 was a staunch supporter of Rod Paul's campaign for president and wrote a full parody of the Pokemon theme about how many electorates Rod Paul was going to win. He Dilbert died himself. So this, this Rod Paul rewrite of the Pokemon theme song is available on YouTube to watch in full. There's a whole infographic about where Rod Paul's going to win and how well he's going to do in the election. Uh, Pokemon did a little bit better. Also <laughs> found out that he is a like very vocal anti-circumcision advocate. <laughs> <laughs> what a hell to die on. Uh, does not believe you need to cut them all. Need, believes you need to catch them all. Son of a bitch. But I, I went a little too deep into researching Jason Page, vocalist of the Pokemon theme song, and I wish I didn't. But yeah, go go look up the uh, the Rod Paul parody. It's definitely worth like three minutes of your life. So, um, R- Rich, what about you? Any wait a minute moments for you? I'm so glad you dug that up. Um, yeah, uh, what's a Pokeball made out of? L- listen closely. A Pokeball seems to be every single size that there is. It's it's a it's a small enough to squeeze into your pocket. It's as big enough to put a giant monster inside of what are these things made of they can also escape from them at any time they have to like be in there willingly in some weird like black void of of existence where they're like both alive and not alive at the same time and then you can only be summoned by some sort of creator or master or owner or anything like that what what are we what are we doing here exactly i i what i know it's a cartoon i know it's for children what the fuck are Pokeballs made of? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I I mean I I couldn't agree more with you that that is absolutely insane. Uh, there's also like you didn't even talk about Electrode, who looks like a Pokemon, which then brings to the like the chicken or the egg concept of which came first, Electrode or the Pokeball? Did the guy who made the Pokeball get in, like influenced by Electrode? Um, does he owe royalties to Electrode? Uh, lots of lots of questions. Um, yeah, for me, as far as wait a minute moments, I think that we, we talked about how this is a brilliant like moment in advertising, but also it's like terrifying that this is just one gigantic advertisement. Like the like, even 
I think I would have been a little bit less terrified if maybe there wasn't the producer or the executive's narration on top of it. And we just let it lie as like, hey, here's a pilot, like, cool. And um, Ash can talk for himself and Pokedex is exposition tool. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, holy shit, I can't wait for us to do more shows that we watched as kids because I'm guessing this is going to be a common theme that we find in a lot of the shows that we used to enjoy. We do have an in-flight question. Uh, Our in-flight question came to us from Instagram. Make sure to follow us uh, because we sometimes ask for questions and you can just type them in really easily. Uh, (laughs) Our in-flight question this week comes from Ben. If you had to choose one Pokemon to follow you into the bathroom every time you had to do the business, and there was always a 25% chance it would spontaneously use its powers, which Pokemon would it be? So, since I've had a little bit more time with this question, um, (laughs) I decided that there is a Pokemon that intuitively heals uh, folks that are around it, or heals other Pokemon, and that is Chansey. Uh, so, you know what? Sometimes when I'm in the bathroom, I have a little icky feeling in my tummy and it would be really nice if Chansey, that one of every four times helped me like relieve some of that ickiness and made me feel all better. Max, what about you? So when I was first presented with this question, my initial instinct was to say, Ditto, because if Ditto were to use its powers, it would just be me in the bathroom again. And, like, as far as, like, weird factor goes, I think just, like, me also going to the bathroom isn't the weirdest thing. It's, like, when you're next to someone at the urinal, like, I could deal with it. Uh, I think Meowth would be my other one here. It's like, listen, if you've ever had a cat, the cat just tries to get into the bathroom. That's what cats do. They're going to try and paw at the door. They're going to try to get in the bathroom. Most of the time, you're in there doing the business anyways. I don't think it would be that weird. I grew up with a cat. I'm used to it. I'm going to say Meowth. Tales Rich, what about you? That's such a good one. All right. Um, I have less of experience of remembering any of these characters. So I think I'm going uh, Max's same thought process. Is it is it Persian or Persian or something like that? I think... I don't know how you pronounce it, but I think that's Persian. also Persian. Okay, you're definitely going with the the cat's going to sit at your feet or sit at, sit on your you know uh, lap or something like that while you're there. You know, if you're if you're worried about going with a psychic Pokemon, don't because uh, I, I just scrolled past Lickitung and uh, I'm going to get get out of this. Um, <laughs> Um, this doesn't seem like my my research anymore. Um, I, I would say if you're going with psychic, I don't mind those powers going off at any point because I'm already just like staring at my phone for most of the time. So it's basically like I'm in a trance already. I mean, solid. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say the runner up for me, even though this could get problematic at times, depending where I'm, I am, is Jigglypuff. Uh, if you guys remember, Jigglypuff makes people fall asleep. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it, if I am sitting down while you get going to Jeff. the bathroom, you know, so <laughs> be it. I, I need to get sleep where I can, and sometimes that is on the toilet. Uh, <laughs> but thank you so much for that in-flight question, Ben. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about other places to submit those at the end of the episode. Well, 
it is time to talk about the legacy of this show. And holy shit. I got a couple episodes. Uh, you know, when some... When something's been around for 25 years, uh, there's a little bit of a legacy, including 25 seasons and 1,253 episodes Holy. and counting. This is the largest show that we have ever done as far as episode count. There are also 23 separate animated films and multiple spinoffs, including variety shows in Japan. God. Um, wait, wait, this- hold, hold on. I love right there. <laughs> I, I I am choosing. You can go and do your own research about some of the variety shows uh, because I no 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 I choose you. <laughs> Son of a bitch. So <laughs> speaking to this show, this show was truly a global phenomenon. Um, I think we would really need another episode just to talk about how financially successful this series was and how large of an impact it had on culture. Over the last 25 years, not just even in the beginning. Who's that net worth? <laughs> just to give y'all an idea, just in Japan, the show is estimated to have created $934 million in revenue just for content over the past 10 years, um, which is absolutely insane. Multiple video games, including mobile games, trading card series, um, you know, Fights broken out in your local Target because of trading cards. Uh, to give you an idea of how this show has grown, uh, there were originally 150, then 151, and we're up to 1,020. Oh, uh, more to see. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, open-ended. Do, it's always open-ended. In a small... In a small spoiler, I do want to congratulate Ash Ketchum. Ash, after... 25 years, uh, finally became the greatest Pokemon master of all, earning the world title in 2023. Uh, Just in case you were curious. Good for for him. Yeah, Ash did not end up owning all 1,020 Pokemon. uh, As we are recording it, this episode, that is how many there are. Uh, But he did reach an impressive total of 98 different species uh, including a herd of cattle Pokemon that he had on a ranch. Uh, so good for you. Uh, it's I, I actually well, you would... know these these Hollywood celebrities. They get the money. <laughs> they buy the ranch in Montana. They get the herd of cattle. You know. Wait. Okay. Wait. So wait. They wait. Made like, I, I'm just gonna say it. Made so many Pokemon that they're like I don't know cow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say I would watch. The Pokemon version of a TV show that is named after after one of our greatest national parks. Just gonna leave that there. Uh, you know, executives. Oh, call is, me. is that yellow version? <laughs> um. So one of the things that I found super surprising about the show is, and it's one of the things that happens with children's shows for the most part is awards are sort of limited to a few different networks. What I found really surprising though, was in the 25 years that this show has been on so many networks and in the cultural zeitgeist, it's only ever received one nomination and lost that nomination, uh, which was a blimp award from Nickelodeon (laughs) for best animated show. So yeah, they really, you know, 
while this is not the most nominated show or the most awarded show that we have ever done, I do want to say it's still very much a celebrated, culturally relevant show that has made its mark despite not having a trophy case to show it. But whomever, you know, created it has millions, if not billions of dollars in their bank account because of uh, something. And, you know, what's more valuable, uh, awarding art or uh, money zeros in your bank account? I mean, while we're, while we're talking about the recognition of Pokemon, I call getting an EGOT beating the Elite Four. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, which one is each element? Oh, my God. Um <laughs> So with that being said, as far as the legacy of the show, um, it's continuing, it's going on. But Rich, it is now time for your game of the week. Yeah, let's do it. Bam, bam, bam. I want to be, this is the theme song for Rich's game of the week. I want to be the very best. Okay. Um, I want to see if you guys can do possibly my most difficult challenge yet. Um, I have six real pokemon and six types of cheese from around the world <laughs> i want you to see if you can if you can decipher any of them is this original right. 151 or is this all pokemon generations all of them oh, oh god, god. <laughs> this is terrifying uh, american cheddar i know is a cheese so like let's just get that off out of the way all right that that eliminates the first couple <laughs> <laughs> Max, first one goes to you. Cyrene. Okay. Cyrene. I am going to say it. That is a type of cheese. That is a type of cheese, correct. <laughs> Very nice. Jeff. Raboot. Um I, for a second I'm just like reboot. That's a that's something else. Um <laughs> that's something that we're that a friend of ours is on. Um no, um I'm going to say reboot is a um is a Pokemon. That is correct. Hey, let's go. Ma- Max I have never Greedent. seen Jeff think harder in his entire life. <laughs> Sorry, mate, could you repeat the question? <laughs> uh Greedent. Credent. I'm going to say that that is a Pokemon. Correct. That is a Pokemon. Uh, Jeff Mulbo. Mulbo? Mulbo. Uh, can I get a country of origin? <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, I don't believe that would help. Um, I am going to say that Mulbo is a Let's let let's take a chance. Let's say it's a Pokemon. Uh, Mulbo is a type of cheese. Oh, motherfucker! <laughs> this is so funny to me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you guys are doing really good, but it's still so funny to me. Uh, Max Snowfrisk. That just feels too much like actual words. So I'm gonna say cheese. It is cheese. Uh, Jeff Ice Q. Fuck it, it's a Pokemon. It's it's a It's, it's a Pokemon. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rich. Thank uh, you. Oh, oh we oh we got more, baby. Oh no. Because <laughs> there's a hundred and fifty cheeses to count. <laughs> Alright. Uh Max Morpico. 
I mean, that's this pilot needed, but I'm going to say type of cheese. <laughs> that is a Pokemon. No, my perfect record. <laughs> uh, Jeff, Zeno Zeno Tyro. Um, wait, excuse me. Zeno Tyro. Zeno Tyro. I'm not saying my pronunciation is dead on here. <laughs> I, I'm just imagining. I, I want to know how this is spelled, first of all, because I'm imagining three different versions of that. Yeah, um, it's none I, of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say You're way off. Zeno Tyro. I think it's spelled with an X, and I'm going to say it is a Pokemon. Uh, it is spelled with an X. Well done. And it is a type of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Max, Yamandu. I'm going to say that is a type of cheese. That is a type of cheese, correct? Uh, Jeff, Iron Crown. I- I'm just, it's, it's all Pokemon. It's all Ohio. It's all Pokemon. It's all, it's all Pokemon all done. That is a Pokemon. Well done. Uh, uh, last one, because I know where we're, this has a diminishing return. Uh, Max, Akawi. Oh, I mean, I want to end on a high note here. Let's go Pokemon. It's a type of cheese. No! <laughs> well, Rich. Who's that cheese? <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Well, Rich, thank you so much for that game of the week. As this fight comes to an end, um, I have two more questions for each of you gentlemen. One is, based off of this pilot, would you continue watching this show? And then, you know, 25 years is a hell of a run. Do you think that this show should be continuing on the airways uh, as it currently is? Rich, I'm going to start with you. Oh, hell yeah. Number uh, First of all, you got to catch them all. You got to catch all the episodes. It, that, you you got you to gotta keep going. If you don't do that, you're going to let everyone down inside this fictional world. I, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to make I don't want to make fictional creatures sad. So I have I am literally it is compulsive for me to watch the second episode, uh, whether or not I think they're going to keep making the show or they should keep making the show. Maybe stop making new Pokemon, but keep going with stories and stuff like that. I feel like the new Pokemon are kind of non-consequential, except for like selling cards or, you know, collecting things on Pokemon Go and everything. But the legacy of Pokemon Go specifically, like it was such a massive phenomenon literally overnight that I can't imagine that the the popularity of the show dipped at all. I think if anything, it probably had a massive resurgence. Max, what about you? I mean, it's it's a really good children's animated pilot in terms of making you want to go on this journey and watch more. It, it's just, as Pokemon attacks say, it's super effective. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely could see myself watching more of this. Plus, I found out that I could watch all of it through the Pokemon TV app on my Nintendo Switch. So I don't have an excuse not to do it, baby. Uh, do, oh, yeah, do I think that it should be like, remade rebooted it's hard to say it's just such a 90s artifact to me and yeah i have no desire to learn the name of a single new generation pokemon i i think that 
sure, you could definitely do a version with the original 151 for a nostalgia factor and like go back to this world and revisit it in a new direction. Yeah, why, why not? Sure, do it. I don't care. Hmm. And, <laughs> and then for myself, I would say one, based off of the pilot, hell yeah, right? Like this is absolutely like, not only do I find that it does a great job of enveloping you into the world as a whole, but I also think that it does a really good job of just being good animated television, good, good anime as a whole. Um, should this show continue? I don't see an end in sight, y'all. Uh, I, I <laughs> can't wait for in 25 years where there's 10,000 Pokemon uh, and each Pokemon has a subclass. And, you know, if you don't know at least a thousand of them, you're considered a boomer. So can't wait for that. Um, yeah. But it, in all honesty, yeah, I, I don't see this stopping anytime soon. Um it's really fun seeing a new generation fall in love with something that, you know, I fell in love with when I was 10. Uh, so can't wait. Um, with that being said, and as our flight has come to a land, um, where can we find you two gentlemen? You could catch me Pokemon going to the polls and on all things social. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, you <laughs> almost made it. You almost made it. <laughs> Well, I am just pa- I am pausing for the Lock laughter. Him Lock him up. I'm pausing for the laughter so they know where to find me. You can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Sig. Rich, what about you? Uh, you can find me returning Misty's bike. What are we doing? <laughs> Return the bike. <laughs> and <laughs> and also on Instagram at Damn That's Rich, you can find Max and my uh, sketch comedy at Dad Wagon Comedy on TikTok. And you can find me forcing 10-year-olds to go out in the woods with wild animals. Uh, and they can't come back until they've caught all of the wild animals. But if you're looking for me on social <laughs> media, you can find me at Run Jeff Run. You can find the TV Pilots License anywhere you listen to podcasts as well as YouTube. And on most social media at TV Pilots License. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com. Or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram for a sneak preview of some of our upcoming episodes. But with the plane landed, the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, gotta catch them all. <laughs> <laughs>